Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Yeah, about that. Hi, everyone. How you doing? What's going on? I'm Harry Broadhurst. And you're listening to the reaction, a presentation of the Chairshot Radio Network. What's up, Tony? Yo. Hey. I feel, Yo. Like, I feel like it's been a while since we've done one of these. What do you mean? We talked yesterday. Okay, let me rephrase that. <laughs> I feel like it's been a while since we've done one of these that we actually recorded. Ah. Well, you sound just a year older, I tell you. I, I do sound a year older. 36 ain't easy, man. <laughs> Happy belated birthday, Harry. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. Uh, so, how's your downtime been? For those of you wondering, uh, our last show was in December. Um, a combination of things led to that. Tony having some fam- familial commitments. I had a bout with my mental health, which put me in a very bad place, but thankfully I'm doing better now. Uh, so what's been up, man? How you been doing for the last six weeks? Well, um, we were allowed to open our restaurant for outside dining, so I've been incredibly busy um, for the entirety of this, you know, break. Um, even tonight, I'm doing the podcast immediately after Raw been getting ready to have a meeting with the kitchen of the restaurant that I run and hopefully coming back in time to do some laundry. So it's been pretty hectic, but in a good way, I suppose. How many of your staff have you been able to bring back to Franks? Uh, we actually had to hire four people. Um, a majority of my staff was brought back. I think only one person didn't make the cut, but it was someone I was going to let go anyway. Hey, also at the end, well, and everybody's back to work, so that's good. Yep. So business is good, though? How's everything on the personal front? How's the family? Everybody's good. Um, yeah, it was good. No no complaints, really. You know, we're all alive, so. That's always a plus. What's Thug up to? Yeah. She's starting college yet? Oh, she's, or, she's in her third year. She's been accepted to the design program at Cal State Long Beach. She's doing that, doing it well. Got a lot of projects coming up. She's going to be going to Europe soon um, to check out the architecture they, there. So, are they doing digital classes for C for CSLB or is it in person? It's a mixture of both. Um, the uh, the in person classes are very good because she's a design major, so uh, for interior design. So she's designing, you know, the insides of hotels and all that stuff. So she'll bring her blueprints right. and her projects. She's got to put it on a table. She's got to step back. The professor steps forward looks over everything, gives the great input, all that stuff, steps back, my sister steps forward, rolls her stuff up, and then heads out. Very, very, you know, like, as safe as they can make it. Of course it's annoying, but, I mean, it's that or, you know, possibly get sick and die, so. (laughs) Well, here's my thing. The issue that I've had, and I have a lot of my friends who are of college age or know people who are of college age tell me that the biggest issue they've had with everything going on is that the college courses that are continuing, like they're fine with college courses still continuing and stuff. It's just, why are you making these students pay full prices for courses that you're not getting the full college experience with? 
Oh, yeah, we could have an entire episode or many episodes talking about the problematic issues with funding and, you know, how much they're paying and what they're getting out of that, you know. But this is a wrestling podcast, so. (laughs) Yeah, but they're getting to know us again after a while, Tony. I'm trying to bring some personality to the show, damn it. Please, we're talking about Raw. We're infinitely more entertaining. This is fair. Um, Good holiday? series of holidays, I suppose, between Christmas, New Year's, and then Valentine's. I don't know if you have a Valentine currently still. I'm not sure. I think, maybe. You know, I like I like to I like to keep my uh, personal life under wraps. Uh, I'm basically a whore, but um, yeah, it was a good it was a good string of holidays. Spent it mostly with family. Took a few trips that were COVID safe and with the same people that I've seen every day for the past year. We got a small circle and we keep it that way. Just, you know, we get tested frequently. Like, I, I'm going to make a collage of how many negative tests I have. But it's for multiple reasons. I want to set a good example for the staff that I'm in charge of. I want to let people know that I'm taking it seriously. And I also care about my own health. So it's all part of, you know, it doesn't take a lot of energy, for, for at least for me, to take a test. So I don't see any downfall of it. it I'll be honest. It was weird not being able to celebrate. Um, my girlfriend is incredibly... Um, anxious about these kind of things, like um, diseases mm-hmm. and stuff. She she lives in a house with her mother, and her mother is uh, immunocompromised because of a heart condition. And unfortunately, yeah. she lives across state lines, and for a while, the states were doing mandatory quarantine if you came into the state. Right. So I haven't seen my girlfriend probably since October. We've mm-hmm. talked on, we've talked on messenger. We've talked on phone. We talked on video chat. But obviously, it's not the same as being having that face to face time. Like it was really weird. Um, thankfully, one of my friends that lives locally came and got me on on my birthday, and we were able to hang out for a while. She made cupcakes, and we hung out at her place. I hung out with her son, who's basically like my nephew. Mm-hmm. So that was. That was nice. I got out for a little bit there. Um, we did. I did have a small gathering with a group of friends for Elimination Chamber, like four or five of us inside of a two-bedroom apartment, so it was plenty of spacing and stuff, and we were far enough away, and I'm not going to be around anybody that's compromised anytime soon. So I do my best to stay at home as much as I can, but obviously certain situations dictate the necessity to go out and about because you know my anxiety is not the easiest thing to deal with either. We've talked about that before yeah. on the podcast too. Yeah, which is actually uh, I talked my uh, the owner of the restaurant into uh, forking uh, footing the bill for wrestling events at the restaurant. So if you're ever over here, we got 16 TVs. <laughs> you just like having televisions all over the place, don't you? It's interesting because no one's allowed inside. So for Elimination Chamber, it's me and like two other people just watching Elimination Chamber inside of an empty restaurant. It, it's great. But <laughs> well, on the plus side, you can actually hear commentary, which is something you probably couldn't do in a normally full bar. Yeah, on the minus side, you had to hear commentary. commentary, which is something you normally couldn't do in a full <laughs> bar. <laughs> yeah. So you were able to watch Elimination Chamber, and I guess with that segue, we'll move into the actual wrestling conversation here. Yes, I was able to watch it. A rare, rare feat for me, but of course it had to be at work. So, 
two-and-a-half-hour pay-per-view, were you surprised that they didn't add anything else to the card? Very shocked. Uh, when I saw the elimination, the second elimination chamber start so late, I thought, oh, man, we are in for a snooze fest. Um, <laughs> because it's like, are they really going to get this thing an hour and a half, maybe even more? Uh, thankfully, they kept it short. And although there's a there's a part of me that wished there was more, what what more could they have added that would have been worthy of the show? You know, Oscar didn't have an opponent. Well, weren't exactly clamoring for it, so... But they were talking about possibly giving Oscar a replacement match in order to replace the Lacey match that we lost due to Lacey getting pregnant. Yeah, but would it have mattered? <laughs> I think that they're actually starting to tease Oscar's opponent tonight, and we'll talk about that when we get to Raw. I think they're teasing Oscar's mm-hmm. WrestleMania opponent tonight on Raw. Well, let's talk about it. We'll get to Raw in a second. Let's first continue with the Elimination Chamber. Did you watch the pre-show? No. I was working. I was serving drinks right up until 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All right. Well, the pre-show had a four-way to determine who would be the third participant. Obviously, John Morrison won that match. He ended up moving on to the four-way. He pinned Ali because, well, they're already attempting to break up Retribution. Because, yeah, I, guess, I guess you're getting your wish, Tony, and they realize Retribution's dead in the water. Yeah, it sucks because there's so many talented people in that group, and Shane Thorne's in it too. (laughs) He's the one that plays dipshit, right? (laughs) Dipshit, dipshit. What is it? Okay, you got got me with that one. All right, but anyway, so the actual. the actual Elimination Chamber card itself, what was your favorite match or moment on the show as we final reaction the Chamber pay-per-view? Um, well, I mean, Sasha was there, but she lost. So, uh, no, in reality, I'm going to give it to the opening match, the Elimination Chamber. It's, you know, it's the thing that we, we all, we've been saying this for years, even with Liz on here and multiple other people, Cesaro is just the greatest, you know? And people could say he doesn't have a personality, They could say he's never going to be ready for the main event. But, like, just look at what he does. You're telling me you can't put a little bit of energy into that guy and make him main event caliber? Like, man. I think my favorite part of that whole thing was Cesaro doing chin-ups on the top of the Elimination Chamber just because. Yeah, you know why? Because he can. (laughs) Exactly. Knock Sammy Zane to go splat off of the side of the cage and then do a couple of pull-ups because why the fuck? Why the fuck not, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm going to agree with you, but I'm going to also add the uh, post-match as well with the rolling right into Reigns and Bryan. I thought that was really smoothly done, although I didn't care for the fact that they sacrificed the match with Bryan in order to set up a Roman Edge match that, truth be told, Tony, I don't have a real interest in. Yeah, I think Edge will do what he needs to do to make it interesting because he's Edge, but I didn't like the Brian misuse either. So, um, I wasn't, like, super upset because, you know, he had an Elimination Chamber match, but still, there's some moments that you... It's just, I think it's just because he's such a favorite, and you just really have high hopes for people like Brian and Cesaro, and then the WWE machine, if you will, just makes it like, well, this is what we're going to do. Well, here's my, here's my line of thinking, and 
go ahead and feel free to to disagree if you want to here. I honestly think that Brian and Roman is the better story, and you could have had Edge go after Finn Balor instead. Because Edge's promo that he cut on NXT TV talking about how it was the NXT brand and the style of wrestling that NXT brought that persuaded him to pursue the comeback, similar to how um, seeing Brian's own comeback story like he talked about on SmackDown last week. I think that there's money in the chase for the NXT brand for Edge in order to see if he can hang out, still hang with that next generation of athletes. And I think that given the fact that we've done that whole Roman and family angle this entire time, like we were talking about it when he had his big angle with Jey Uso, um, who's, who's more commonly known as a family man in the WWE right now than the guy who they actually do a television show about his family with Total Bellas for Daniel Bryan? Yeah, but you're talking about pennies versus dollars. Like, I just, I, I understand it, and I'm cool with it. And, you know, anybody, Edge versus anybody in NXT just doesn't doesn't make monetary sense, doesn't make a fiscal dollar for them. It's just not nearly as much as, you know, it could with Roman. It's a money match. It's WrestleMania. So if this was a regular pay-per-view, um, then I could see potential in that. But I think that's just fantasy booking. And that's fair. I mean, you could probably go down that road once Roman hopefully retains at WrestleMania because I don't think Edge needs to beat him for the title. No, but he will. Did you know that I've heard people speculating that Edge wins the match at Mania and then retires the way that he wanted to retire in the first place? Do you think there's a chance that that actually happens? Yeah, I actually didn't think that far ahead, but I, I, I just think that they're trying to do the plan that they had before he got injured, which was for him to have a moment at WrestleMania and close out his career. And that's going to suck for the current roster if that happens. Like, I feel, you know my thoughts on these old-timers coming back and taking matches and stuff, so. Like, yeah, I appreciate but, uh, all the effort. Edge go. This is different than Yeah, Goldberg. I appreciate, I appreciate all the effort that Edge has put into this. Don't get me wrong. I agree with you there. It's much different than somebody like Goldberg who, we were going to come back the night after the Royal Rumble originally peeked behind the curtain, and you had Goldberg go out there for a two-minute match with Drew McIntyre. Like, what the fuck? It's really hard to, like, justify it because I don't know the inner workings of how they're making money now. But, you know, you used to just be able to say, like, it buys, you know, our viewers. Like, whoever's viewing Raw, that, that equates to money. Whoever's buying the pay-per-view, that equates to money. Now everything's so weird. People watch Raw, like a truncated version on Hulu, or they just go to the YouTube, or they just read forward1mania.com, the wrestling section, where Tony Acero does a report every week. So, like, it's hard to gauge. <laughs> it's hard to gauge where the um, viewership is going and how they view money, big money events. You know, Goldberg versus Drew to them may have been that, may have been this is what we need to do to pop the rating or to whatever it is that they, they think of now. I just don't know. And I really don't want to look into it, but it does it does lend us to moments like Goldberg coming back for no reason. And as a viewer, it just does nothing for me. In the interest of fair promotion, we would also recommend that you read Stephen Mitchell's reports here on thechairshot.com. Yeah, I hear he's all right. Well, this is going to be uploaded on the website, Tony. I have to. I'm contractually obligated oh, I'm, by DeMarco. I'm fine with it. I don't care. Steven sounds like a nice enough guy. <laughs> at least he's not, um, not watching. Or Wes Kirk. 
least favorite match or moment from Elimination Chamber? Uh, well, just anything Nia Jax does, I'm not a fan of. I feel like she gets progressively worse as weeks go. Not worse, just not caring about her performance. I, I don't I don't know the lady, but I just feel like there's a lack of effort more and more every week that she shows up. And it's upsetting because there's so many people trying to help her look good. <clears throat> okay, so I have a two-parter here. Obviously, anything Nia Jax-related is awful and has been for a while. Um, Tony, as a Hispanic American, does Bad Bunny appeal to you? Okay, so here's the thing. I think that Bad Bunny sounds like he's drowning every time he raps slash thinks. But the dude is on fire, and this has got to be one of the most current acts that the WWE has got their hands on. Aside from that, I see a fan. When I look at him, I'm like, oh, shit. He's having the time of his life. <laughs> like, this dude is hype. Um, so, yeah, I, I, get the, I get the tie-in. I get the cross-in as a, as a Hispanic. Like, I know who he is. I've known who he is. Um, every time a song's on at the bar and he's on it, everybody loves it. So, like, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to deny that he's a big deal. And I think that we would, we're doing a disservice to both both the wrestling world and the hip-hop slash Mexican pop world if we don't acknowledge that this is a get for both parties. You got a fan okay, who's so- having the time of his life, and then you got WWE who's actually, for the first time in I don't know how long, got their fingers on the pulse. Okay, so I'm going to start by saying that the only reason I know who Bad Bunny is is because of the Corona commercial with uh, Snoop Dogg. I don't listen to rap music in general, and I especially don't listen to the rap music that I'm not going to understand the words to. Right. Makes total sense. My, <laughs> my Spanish is limited at best. So I understand that there is a cultural relevance for him, and I appreciate the fact that they're doing something with the 24-7 title with him. I have no issues with that. The Miz became WWE champion on Sunday night, and earlier in the show, the highlight seg- one of the highlight segments backstage was Bad Bunny slapping him like a bitch. Oh, yeah, that was a little rough. I got to agree with you there. Didn't like that. <laughs> like, I'm okay if you're going to go down the road of Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus Miz and Morrison at WrestleMania. I have no problems with that. Then have the beef with Bad Bunny and Miz cost Miz the championship match against McIntyre or something. Have it become relevant towards the storyline situation that Miz has a legitimate bitch that Bad Bunny cost him his money in the bank contract when he goes to cash it in, or alternatively, that Bad Bunny stops him from being able to cash in in general. Don't have a celebrity act, as relevant as he may be, Slapping your champion in the fucking face. <clears throat> yeah, that was rough. Uh, not only that, but I just think that a person who's not a wrestler wouldn't slap anybody. So it came off as like you did it just to like make you, you know, just to say you did it. It just, oh man, I'm just saying this. It was just bad writing. <laughs> we'll do it 20 paces in the morning. Overall show rating, Tony. 
I feel like rating this show while watching it at work is a little difficult because I still, you know, I was still getting bothered by my host and I had to do a couple of things and all that. And I, I, I it wasn't quite the atmosphere that you get. You were, I don't know if you've ever been, but do you ever recall going to like a WWE, WWE pay-per-view event at a bar? It's just, man, it's just different. It's, it's so great. But when anyways, this one, I probably there, have yes. to. Yeah, when there's people there for sure. Um, I have to say like a seven. I think that the Elimination Chamber matches were good for what they were. They had their moments. But there was also this like lack of surprise, with the exception, obviously, of Miz coming out. You know, Randy Orton didn't, the Fiend didn't show up. Kofi didn't get attacked. Uh, like, they're, they're just, not that we're writing the book, you know what I mean? But it was some of those things, you're like, ah, oh, that makes sense. And that would have been, nice, been a nice callback. But we didn't really get any surprises, really. And there's a lot of decisions that kind of just are like, all right, well, that's that. <laughs> no turn happened. Sasha and Bianca didn't go, you know, one against each other. And I must have missed the episode where Carmella's dude is now friends with Sasha. I, I, I guess I missed the SmackDown because that threw me it off. Was a, it was a couple SmackDowns ago after they had the singles match. Reginald kind of developed a crush on her. Well, we're going to have to talk about that, Reggie. <laughs> I'm actually with you at a seven. I enjoyed the show for what it was. I think the fact that it was as short as it was kind of counts against it. I'm not saying that the matches needed to be longer because I do think that the, most of the matches that did happen were perfectly paced as they were. I do think that going into a pay-per-view and only announcing four matches ahead of time is fucking stupid and reeks of uh, no long-term planning, which is a problem that we've talked about many times on this show before, and I don't feel the need to keep beating that dead horse. But I do think that the effort was there, and I'm surprised to see the effort there in a, in a chamber match, a match as dangerous as the chamber is, with the lack of fan motivation to be there. Like, this match and Money in the Bank, when Money in the Bank, if Money in the Bank is properly done, I feel would be the two hardest matches to pull off without a proper audience because of the adrenaline needed to pull off these style, those style of matches. <clears throat> yeah. Who's your MVP for Elimination Chamber, Tony? Uh, Cesaro. Sasha gets the honorable mention because... She's Sasha, but Cesaro for sure. I'm going to go with Drew McIntyre. Drew carried the Raw Elimination Chamber match, and Drew made Miz look legitimate by requiring Miz to bust out the big guns in order to take down Miz for the... What the hell was that, Tony? I lived near a train. Well, not a train, a railroad track in which many trains go down. Oh, that would annoy the hell out of me. I couldn't do that. <laughs> it's soothing. Let me know people are out there. <laughs> sure. Not sure I buy that. But anyway, um he made he made Miz look legit. Plus he sold really well for Lashley too, and I think that that's going to come into play going closer and closer into April 10th and 11th. All right, let's move over to um, tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw, shall we? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I got so... Xbox. 
Persona. Let everybody you got know a, the new you, one. Did yeah. you get an X? The new one, or did you get an Xbox oh. One? No, no, Series X. I've had I've had an Xbox One. So, ah, uh, what well, game kind of are you currently deal. hooked kind on? Of, oh, I've been playing Warzone since it came out. Call of Duty. Mhm. Cool. I have my Xbox One. I just never set it up. I'm not a huge gamer. It's still in the box in my kitchen. All right, so you ready to talk about tonight's episode of Raw, Tony? Yeah, let's go. Um, I had four different people message me with references to Papa Shango tonight, Tony. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't know that that's a good thing. I mean, if anything, it means that there's a lot of people that have been that have been around for a while. And for that, I say thank you, because sometimes I think it's just me and Eric. (laughs) (laughs) My group, my group of friends are definitely longtime fans. Uh, Backstage segment where Randy Orton's going over the ups and the downs of his most recent run currently with the issues that he had been having first with the fiend who he lit on fire back at TLC. Don't get me started on that. We don't have enough time to cover it on this podcast. And then the more recent issues that he's been having with Alexa Bliss in The Fiend's absence, including Alexa appearing on the screen to cost Orton the gauntlet match last week on Monday Night Raw, and the apparent curse that Alexa put on him because he ended up throwing up black stuff, Papa Shango-style, the whole Ultimate Warrior bit that Shango and Warrior did back in, like, 1991, I think it was. And the fans or the announcers get their serious voices on for this too, so you know it's for reals. Yeah, this is on the same level as Owen Hart dying. <laughs> say it, Harry, say it, bring it back. The views and opinions of. <laughs> The views and opinions of this fucking company sometimes. <laughs> what did you make of the segment, Tony? Uh, okay. The only thing that I liked about this was that Orton shows that he's just, he's in that, that rare, not the rare breed, but the kind of like mostly retired breed. You can think of like Edge, maybe the Miz, of promo delivery where you're just like, Ah, uh, okay, you're good. You're good at this. Because, you know, the little cough that he threw out there, I thought he fucked up. I thought he, like, he was too grovelly with his Batman voice and choked on, you know, his dry throat. And then you come to find out he's about to just puke up some black shit. Like, all right, Randy, that's not bad. But, no, the concept, the idea, the, the, the everything but the execution was just, like, eye-rolling, eye-roll-inducing. And, like, you... You don't even have a like. Where is this coming from? And 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 what 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 is the power behind it? And is it the devil? Why are we doing a pentagram? Is the fiend attached to the devil? Is this like what? It's just when it has more questions than answers, that means that you're not doing a good job as a writer. Well, clearly, what it means is that Alexa has summoned Papa Shango, Tony. Oh, okay. That well, that just explains everything. Creative, that or the people in creative were hitting the really, really good stuff with Bad Bunny backstage. No, bro. It was new. Riddle, bro. 
because bro, Riddle bro is like bro the highest bro. You seem a little annoyed by this, Tony. Bro. <laughs> they are kind of beating the stoner thing over your head with Riddle, aren't they? Even his action figure looks high as fuck. I'll have to send you a photo. <laughs> but I, I, I wish I were joking like his action figure collector, but no. His figure looks like he's stoned out of his gourd. All right, let's go back to the other parts of the show tonight. The opening for tonight's episode of Raw was The Miz coming out to celebrate his championship win the night before on an edition of Miz TV. They are very quickly interrupted by Lashley, and in my opinion, and you can agree or disagree if you want to, by all means, feel free, um, the best part of Raw since last year's Royal Rumble and MVP. Uh, the segment itself or MVP? MVP himself. Oh yeah, he had, he he was nice. He, I like the little cutoffs. I like the little you know don't don't you're not stirring the pot like, like yeah. <clears throat> okay, so back to what I was saying. The opening segment there, MVP and Lashley cut him off, and they remind Miz of the deal that they made backstage in the little short little brief backstage promo. I don't know if you saw it of MVP talking to Miz backstage in the chamber. Yeah, they went full on WWE WWE 2K with that shit. Maybe even Robert SmackDown with the silent talk backstage. I miss those segments, though. I, I thought this one was okay because, I mean, you knew that no, Miz was going to be able it. to just prove by himself. Yeah. But so Lashley calls Miz out and tells him he has one hour to answer his, answer his challenge. Otherwise, he can beat Miz in the ring and take his title like a man, or he can beat Miz's ass and cause him to cough up the title outside of the ring. The choice is Miz's. A little bit later on, they are back in the ring with Adam Pierce, and Braun Strowman shows up. Ye fucking ooh. And then it gets better, Tony. You ready? <laughs> Here comes the money. Yeah, and there go the ratings. Okay, I actually like Shane by and large. But this is obviously a heavy-handed attempt in order to – because of the way that Shane was talking to Strowman throughout the segment. It was a heavy-handed attempt to set up Strowman and Shane for WrestleMania. They were laying the seeds of Strowman and Shane for WrestleMania, and they were blatantly obvious about it. Oh, yeah. Strowman wants into the title – or Strowman wants – yeah, he wants a title match against Miz. Shane says that's not happening. Strowman then says he wants Lashley. Shane is okay with that, and then Shane adds a caveat that if Strowman beats Lashley, then Strowman gets added to next week's title match. The main event of the show is Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley, and in about six minutes, it seemed like the timing issues were a little off because this was a short main event, Bobby Lashley pinned Braun Strowman with a spear in order to keep Strowman out of the main event and then proceeds to lay him out after the match with another spear and by putting him in the full Nelson. Miz tries to cheap shot Lashley, Lashley catches him in a spine buster and holds the title high as we go off the air for tonight's Raw. Let's take these one segment at a time, Tony. The opening segment where they set up the ultimatum. What did you think? Um, okay, so 
I get there. I, I said it just before, just maybe five minutes ago. When when a show causes me to ask more questions than it gives answers, I feel like that just that just doesn't constitute as good writing. And this was that segment where, yes, Lashley could come out and give an ultimatum, and yes, he could be incredibly mad that the Miz did not fulfill the deal because that's just so Miz. That's just something the Miz would do. But for Raw and for Adam Pearce and for production to put a timer up. And just kind of basically say, like, oh, yeah, well, what are you going to do, Miz? Like, what kind of show are you running? Kind of like how Shane McMahon said. And how does that make any sense? So that bothered me. Um, like, I just don't get where that would come from and where, where any showrunner, even if he disliked The Miz, would just allow that. To, I, I don't know. It, it just was stupid. And another thing is Lashley essentially giving him an hour. Like, okay, that's fine. But Braun, for, he's so adamant on... I'm going to get this title shot. You're going to give it to me. And then he just kind of gives in to the notion of fighting Lashley. And don't tell me that he did that so he could get a shot at the title. Cause he didn't know that until after, until after he kind of acquiesced and gave in to Shane, you know, like, all right, I'll, I'll take, if you're not going to give me the title match, I'll take Lashley. Like what happened to you being so damn adamant on getting the title shot just two seconds ago? The segment just kind of unraveled on itself, and it did not recover at all. And it made Braun look stupid. And who asked for Shane to return? And if Shane's back, why is Adam Pierce here? And if Adam Pierce is there, why is he standing in between the two people looking like an idiot? It just, it, it really, really went downhill fast. The good news and, and the good that came out of this, and I don't want to jump the gun here, was that Lashley looked like a beast. Yeah, that was one of the main takeaways that I had as well is the fact that Lashley came out of the main event looking really strong and really dominant going into next week's title match. The question to me is, is do you put the belt on Lashley here and have McIntyre chase going into WrestleMania, or do you think that there's more of an opportunity to put the belt back on McIntyre and do Lashley versus McIntyre at Mania that way? Uh, yeah, I think they're going to go Lashley versus McIntyre at Mania. Um I, I, but who, I think this who's the may, champion going in? I don't. Uh, Drew's going to show up somehow and get the belt back at like Fastlane or some shit. I think that when I was watching, um, when I saw MVP talk to Miz, I'm like, oh, okay, they're trying to get rid of the briefcase. They're probably going to give Miz the belt and he's going to lose it at Fastlane. I think this is just like one of those. Thanks for being the Miz. Here's one more title. Blah 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 blah. I don't see any long term plans with him. No, I completely agree with that. That's exactly what I said, too. I think McIntyre gets the belt back, and then based on the way that Lashley lost the United States title, if he doesn't go back after Riddle for the United States title, then him elevating himself to the main event, because let's be honest, Lashley's above the U.S. title at this point. Him being oh, yeah. elevated into the him being elevated into the main event picture for full-time on Monday Night Raw is a desperately needed injection of fresh blood. And I have said it over and over and over again, that if you're good at it, you can make a star in one single episode of Raw. And I'm not saying Lashley wasn't a star, but dude, like, leaped up to avoid a fucking pounce. He just, he was just on. And I think he knew what the opportunity was, so he was, like, super on, you know? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed I the entire five-minute match that he had. 
I think a lot of it with Lashley has to do with the fact that he's been extra motivated ever since they paired him with MVP. I think he got stuck in a rut in the Lana and Rusev storyline, and once that ended and he became a part of the Hurt Business, the Lashley that dominated in Impact Wrestling and the Lashley that was so strongly taken care of in terms of his original WWE run started to come back out once again. Yeah, I can see that. People don't... People don't realize how good Lashley actually is. Is he a great promo? No, but that's what MVP is there to be. Lashley is one exactly. hell of an athlete. You know, when he's not bending over in front of everybody and slapping his ass, he's, he's pretty good. God, I forgot about that, Tony. Why'd you Lashley. Lashley. Oh, my God. Anybody that tried to defend that can kiss my bent over ass. <laughs> I did like Leo Rush. I miss Leo. No, I didn't. I'm watching. I watched. He was an amazing wrestler, watched, but that's about it. He's still pretty. He's still a pretty good wrestler. He's with MLW now. Well, you know, if they're not in WWE or AEW, they don't exist to me. I know. If if you're not watching them on Mondays <laughs> or Wednesdays, they're persona non grata. I'm aware. Uh, check your messenger, by the way, Tony. Is it Alexa? Well, uh, I wish it was Alexa. <laughs> uh, here, I'll send you something else instead that you might appreciate. All right, back to what I was going to – so overall, though, the biggest issue that I had with the uh, secondary segment was the whole obvious heavy-handed setup for Braun and Shane at, Wrestle- at WrestleMania. One, we've seen Braun once this year, and it was in the Royal Rumble match, and he did Jack it in that rumble match two who's clamoring for 50 plus year old Shane McMahon to wrestle again at Wrestlemania Shane McMahon <laughs> I, 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 maybe maybe his kids not them <laughs> poor but, okay seriously check your messenger I'm waiting for a reaction here oh me uh, yeah yeah, he looks high as fuck. He also looks like Jesus, like a high Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Crucifix not included. Wow. The views and opinions of Harry Broadhurst do not necessarily reflect those of the radio network. <laughs> All right. Let's move forward or back, as it were. Speaking of the highest fuck looking Matt Riddle. He has a singles match to open the in-ring content on the show tonight as he takes on John Morrison in a non-title match coming off of what happened at Elimination Chamber when Riddle pinned Morrison in the three-way in order to win the U.S. title. Riddle once again picks up the win here tonight on Raw with the bro Derek in roughly 15 minutes with the commercial break there. I like... I like Morrison. I like Riddle. I think they can have a good match. I don't think this was it. No, it was not. It it felt kind of superfluous, didn't it? Well, so maybe when we were younger, we thought that um, Morrison was like the shit. But the more that I watch it, the more I'm like, all of these are these all of these spins are kind of unnecessary dude <laughs> like what are you doing <laughs> like why 
why did you do that? You could have just kicked him. You know that, right? So I kind of felt that way <laughs> um, <clears throat> tonight with his match. Like, I just felt like there was just, I don't know, there, there could have been so much more with so much less. And we didn't get that opportunity because he had to, you know. Do you think the bar for athleticism is set so high in the WWE right now that people intentionally try to go up above and beyond to showcase their athleticism? No, I think that Morrison is, I think that we have evolved as wrestlers to where it's not just pomp and circumstance, it's actual physicality. And when you have someone like Riddle, who is MMA background and is based mostly on actual strength and attacking, so he's kicking and it looks like it's it's hurting. Morrison's kicking and it looks like he's dancing. You know, it's just a, a clash of styles that you think might work until you realize one is a bit more realistic than the other. But that's just my my opinion. All right. Mixed I've seen mixed opinions on this segment so far and the people that I've talked to about it. I want to get yours. Uh R-Truth attempting to confront Bad Bunny backstage but getting stopped by Damian Priest. Um, you want me to just talk about the situation at hand? Or... Look, I, yeah, hate, like... I hate the 24-7 title. Um, I like I R-Truth. Know. I feel like he's hit or miss. I feel like he's more missed than he is hit. Uh, humor is subjective. Um, Truth has a, his character intact. He's very... like. That's our truth, you know, like, that's just who he is. So you, you kind of get what you pay for or don't pay for, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, like, today, it was, it was kind of cool. His delivery, well, not cool, his delivery was funny. His delivery was on point, you know, bad bunny. But it was harmless. I don't, I don't, I don't care about anything to do with that green belt. And Damian Priest standing up for his homie, that's, it just makes sense to me. We, we might get a match with our truth out of it. Priest is great. He has a presence. <laughs> I agree with that, but I think him being associated with the 24-7 title isn't helping that presence any. I mean... Even if he's only associated with the title by proxy. I'm sorry, try that again? I don't think it really hurts him. I mean, he's, he's, he's still new, and he's not gunning for the title. He's just saying basically, like, you know, that's not your title truth, so chill out. And to truth credit, he's just like, I know, bro. Like, I'm not even trying to get it right now. Like, I like Bad Bunny. He can have it, <laughs> which is just funny because he's still saying, like, it is. Like, <laughs> oh, truth, you gem of a man. Okay, so you may have thought that I was referring to the to a certain tag match when I was talking about uh, Oscar's challenger for WrestleMania. Um, I don't think so. I, I, I'm just, I don't have any interest honestly, in the women's division on SmackDown, on Raw, I'm sorry. Uh, see, I disagree. I'm actually really interested if they go the route of Oscar versus Rhea Ripley. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe. Not me. I don't... <laughs> okay, so I have to ask, what is it that you don't see in Ripley? Oh, no, I love Ripley. I don't hope in anything written that would make any type of excitement happen. I mean, man, we're in WrestleMania season. I don't feel shit. And I know we've talked about this. We've been doing this for like six years, and 
I think I asked maybe three or four years ago, like, is it weird that we're not excited? Or when does that when does that hype start? And then there's been years where you and I are like, this is when we're more forgiving. This is when we like just kind of let things play out because we're just so hyped for Mania. Right now, I I don't think that it's the worst it's ever been. I really don't. I just I just am so bored with it. There's there's no energy into it, and it's not necessarily their fault. You we're in a pandemic. There's a lot of unknowns in the air. There's like you know these writers have got to be exhausted with being confused as to what really they have to do or not do who they can and can't write in stuff like Keith Lee getting sick and me and Yen getting, you know, like I'm sure it's difficult, but man. Yeah. Like we just had uh, the reckoning me and Yen returned to television tonight, but Keith Lee was nowhere to be found. Yeah. All right. Um, I got to find my spot here. Okay, so the next match is the tag match between the New Day and Retribution. And I know you had issues with your feet and you weren't able to see the finish. New Day did pick up the win. Kofi hit T-Bar Dijak with the Trouble in Paradise after Ali demanded that they pull up Xavier Woods following a uh, double choke slam and give him another one. Xavier Woods countered out and was able to make the tag to Kofi. Kofi came in and hit Mace with a trouble in paradise first to knock him out of the ring and then caught T-Bar with one for the pin. All of this happens in like four minutes. <laughs> yeah, this whole, this, the whole thing is just stupid. Everything, from, literally everything from Woods and Kofi laughing at them while they're making their entrance to just the whole reality that they're dead in the water, that they don't have a lot of clout. There's no Woods saying that there's a best of seven. Like it's just everything about this stuff. And and they're gonna try to spin it and say like Ali's gonna come out of it. These guys are gonna ditch him and they'll all be wrestlers. No, this, I mean they failed. They failed horribly. This is a horrible story. Let us not forget that they threw a cinder block through a window to make a point. Got signed to try to destroy from within, like they're the NWO, and ultimately did nothing. I mean, it got it got Mustafa TV time, so I can't be too upset. I will forgive a lot of things that get Mustafa Ali TV time, Tony. Okay, well, you do that. You're a kind soul. I'm not. No, I I am an absolutely unapologetic mark for the guy. He's great. He's awesome. That's why I feel so bad. Better is what he deserves. (laughs) He deserves anything. This isn't. This is objectively bad. Like it's bad. It's bad writing. It's bad storytelling. It's uh, at the end of the bad. after the after the match, Ali yells at Mason T Bar about embarrassing him once again, and then walks out, leaving all of the rest of the members of Retribution in the ring by themselves. This will all be forgotten come next week, and they'll be back to doing six and eight man tag matches. Yeah. Sorry. The I mean, realistically, if they all just like stripped off their, if they all just stripped off their masks, Mason and fucking T deck and whatever, they could be a tag team. They're huge. They got some double team moves that look pretty cool. And then Mia joins the women's division, and then uh, Fun Day, you know, fun. goes back to NX, goes back to NXT then I think everyone will be Shane, fine. And Ali definitely deserves a push for dealing with this bullshit. Shane Thorne fucks off back to Japan with his tag team partner. 
The thing is, is I don't even hate Shane Thorne, but God damn, is he the least interesting part of the show right now. And that was on a show that had Braun Strowman wrestling a match. All right, moving on. Tornado tag team match between the Lucha House Party and the Hurt Business. I actually really like this match, Tony. Ew. How? Because I think that the idea of finally putting the bullshit between Cedric and Shelton behind them is what did it for me. Don't get me wrong. Lucha House Party isn't a threat. They won't be a threat. They aren't going to be a threat. Nothing resembling them is a threat. However, most of the spot, most of the action was good. The, okay, I will agree with you on the you also don't tag your tag don't tag your partner in a tornado tag match. That I'll agree with you because that was stupid. But if at least for now we're finally getting rid of the stupid storyline of Shelton and Cedric having beef, then I can accept this match for what it was. I mean, there's no guarantee that you got rid of that. First of all. Uh, <laughs> that may very well come back. Second of all, I right. I don't I don't I don't think that this was a good match at all. I think that there was way too many pauses because they didn't trust that the viewer could watch more than two guys at the same time. So while Lindsay is kicking up his air like a fish out of water, you get to watch Shelton and Metalik, and then Cedric sends out Lindsay so that he could focus a, a double team on Metalik, and it just. It was. It just wasn't well put together, in my opinion. I think that people could have done better in, you know, 2K. Um, and yes, I, I'm not going to forgive a fucking tag in a tornado match. Like it just, come on. Even no, commentary. No, that was kind of slipped up a little bit. That, um, that that was stupid. I'll grant you. And, and I also want to talk about Lince, who has not had a character exactly, and has been cutting some promos recently, and. Look, I'm not heavy into, like, you know, uh, racial shit. I don't want to just cry out wolf and say that this was just disrespectful. But, like, did he, like, just put his put his hand in a hat and pick out one of five stereotypical Mexican uh, portrayals <laughs> and just run with it? Like, you know what, what it is? It, you, it, it's, it's Eddie Guerrero light is what it is. Because Eddie used to be the same way, if you recall. It's just Eddie was over. I know, but I believed in Eddie. I believe, like, this will probably talk like this at a backyard barbecue. You know, like, I could see him with a beer, and someone's just like, bro, is there any more beer? And he's going to be like, yeah, for sure, go get one on. And they're like, what? And he goes, I lied. And, like, I believe that. <laughs> I drank all the beer, I say. <laughs> yeah, I know it's him just turned up. But say, I don't know the guy, but it just feels like you didn't have to go this route, you know? <laughs> It's a little thing, but I noticed it tonight. I'm like, oh, he's he's leaning in hard on that one. All right, uh, but yeah, no, I didn't think the match was good, and I, I just, yeah, I'm pretty. I haven't seen many tornado matches, but that one was not one that I wanted to see. There was one on 205 Live not too long ago that I wa- I went out of my way to go see. I think Nice was in it, um, uh, and I think Lisa was. And, I think yeah, maybe Nice and Davari. Possibly. I don't remember. I just remember wanting to watch it because I heard a lot of good things about it. Um, I do believe that Lindsay did set the record for most times saying Carnal in like a two-minute segment. Yeah. When man, they were talking to Riddle went, backstage. Must have 
just watch American Me or something because Jesus. <laughs> Match number four was Angel Garza versus Damian Priest, and you're actually very fond of this match in the report, Tony. I loved it. Well, first, it was a little weird because it went longer than I thought it was going to, first of all. But second, the only thing that bothered me was how frequently Angel Garza tried to give attention to Bad Bunny. Aside from that, he kind of showed, like, yeah, I know you're the new guy and you're going to get the win, but, bro, you're going to earn that shit. Because at the, what was it, the Broken Arrow, which I thought, I, I already wrote the one, two, three, like, in the report. And then he kicked out. I'm like, oh, shit, we're going a little longer. All right, let's go. And it's just like the energy <laughs> was there. Um, Garza, I, I think he just – I don't know if he went out there to prove himself, but he just – it was good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Priest hits the corner, calls for the end. Running back elbow in the corner, broken arrow, pin for one, two. No, Garza kicked out. Well, I'll be damned. Yeah. <laughs> Very shocking. Do you like the new name of the uh, inverted roll? The inverted hangman's or a little, little. Do you like the new name of the rolling reverse neckbreaker that Priest does? I feel in NXT, like in NXT like that move archery. was called the reckoning. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Well, in NXT, in NXT that move was called the reckoning, and now it's called hit the lights. Yeah, hit the lights is too like you know band centric, meaning. You got to pick one gimmick and stick with it. You know, like he could have had another archery thing. This one hit the lights is mostly like, you, I mean, you get it, you know, because he looks like a little bit of a, you know, Hispanic rocker type. <clears throat> well, that was kind of, did. that's actually kind of a throwback to his time in Ring of Honor because he was doing like a rock star gimmick in Ring of Honor when he was known as Punishment Martinez. Right. And I mean, like I, basically what I'm alluding to is the fact that it just doesn't, it maybe it's because it's not fully formed yet, but it doesn't fit the image that they've been trying to portray. They've been leaning heavy on I the agree. archery aspect of it, and um, so this is this is minimal. Like this is just small. You can call it whatever the fuck you want. You can call it the you know go to sleep with a question mark at the end. I don't care. But if you're asking me, then yeah, that there's probably a better name or a well suited, a better suited name. Yeah, I just it kind of throws me off when I heard when I heard. Uh... Tom Phillips call it hit the lights last week for the first time because I had, obviously I'm a huge NXT watcher. We've talked about this before and I've known that move is the reckoning in NXT and I've just associated that. So the name threw me off. I don't think the hit the lights name is as good as the reckoning, but I agree with you. If you're going to do that Archer of infamy stick on the, if he's going to stick to the Archer of infamy stick that he had in NXT on the main roster, then something more archery, Archer or infamously uh, thematically named would make more sense than something like Get the Lights, which would be more, of, as you said, like a rock star gimmick. Yeah. I'm going to start calling it the Mia Yim. Giggity. It's a women's tag team match, player. The women's tag team champions are in action as they take on... Charlotte Flair and Oscar once again teaming. In this instance here, Charlotte accidentally hits Oscar, and Nia Jax pins Oscar. Ya fucking who? I'm very very curious as to what iteration of Oscar they think would give a damn about tag team championship gold. Because the Oscar that I've known, who isn't really fully formed either, um, wouldn't really have interest in it. And Charlotte and her aren't friends. 
And I don't think they've, they've tried to give us this heavy-handed, they-respect-each-other type shit. So it just seems like a holding pattern for Asuka. And so this little match here where Charlotte kicked her in the face. So chances are we're getting Charlotte versus Asuka at Mania again. And I just, uh, I'm just not interested. See, this is where I think the Rhea Ripley thing comes in. Is I would much rather see Oscar and Rhea at WrestleMania. So what does Charlotte Flair do, though? Because Charlotte, she has to have a Charlotte WrestleMania can, match. Charlotte can go be Poochie elsewhere. No. She's going for There's the a reference. There might be you. a triple threat. It's going to be a triple threat, if anything. Um, Charlotte's definitely going to be involved because she's a flair. She's trying to create her own legacy. That backstage segment, we might as well. What the fuck was that, Tony? <laughs> oh, man, that was a retcon if there ever was one. But look, this is the first time I've ever seen Charlotte show real emotion. It seemed like she choked up a little bit hearing her dad talk. And that would have been so amazing had we had it, had we not been succumbed to the worst storyline ever with Ric Flair possibly impregnating a Lacey Evans. I just, none of it made sense when it was happening. There's no reason for Ric Flair to actively sabotage his daughter's matches. There's no reason for him to go out there if he did believe that he had talent on his hands. It wasn't even dirty, dirtiest player in the game antics. It was just dumb. And then you get this segment, which is basically trying to close up this fucking wretched storyline, which is more than they've given to some storylines. Hello, Buddy Murphy. Um, but still, like, there's just no interest whatsoever. And I'm glad it's over. I'm really, really happy that it's over. But this segment just screams, like, we've seen this before. We've seen Charlotte, like, basically treat her, her dad like crap. We've seen him tell, you know, walk her out to the state. We've seen all of it. But none of it was new. None of it was interesting. I'm just glad that it's over. Buddy Murphy can blame the fact that Steve Cutler can't get his shit together for the fact that he's off television right now. Have you heard that story? Yeah, but I'm re- referring to a yet another shitty storyline that, you know, didn't really need an ending, but also didn't get one with the Aaliyah and Ray Mysterio's daughter. Like, that just kind of went away. And I'm not complaining. I'm not, because you know I hated that from the jump. But, That's true. you know, WWE and- isn't always good on closure. <laughs> match number six on the show sees Jeff Hardy and Sheamus as both guys are coming off of the Elimination Chamber last night and honestly I thought they set Sheamus up perfectly to be McIntyre's challenger at WrestleMania last night in a singles match because Sheamus caught McIntyre with a broke kick and would have taken him out if he hadn't gotten caught by AJ in that flash roll up so I I thought they were heading that way with it, and then obviously what happens with Miz happens after the match, and it takes us in a completely different direction here. Sheamus once again looked really good tonight here. I think Sheamus, since in the six months since he's come back, has looked among the best of anybody in the WWE in the ring. Yeah, I um I love Sheamus. Sheamus beating some ass. Um, little. Flight aside, uh, my friend came by to watch Elimination Chamber. And he has a son who I think is like, I want to say like 12 or 13 on the younger side. And when Jeff Hardy came out, he was pretty hyped. So I just felt the need to break his spirit, and I showed him Victory Road. And um, I felt like I did a good a good thing, you know. <laughs> 
the views and opinions of Tony Acero do not necessarily reflect those of us here at the Chair Shot Radio. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get that set up as a sound clip so I can just press a fucking button in the future, Tony. <laughs> he said, "Poor kid said, what's wrong with him?'" <laughs> uh, how much time you got, this is, kid? This is why you don't do drugs, Dad. Here, that's what I told them. <laughs> Oh, man. Match number se- ma- match number seven sees Lana and Naomi take on Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. Okay, it's not that I had an issue with this match. It it stunk. We kind of knew it was going to. But here's the more important question, Tony. Why did this match need to happen? Because they wanted to give some semblance of credence to the idea that Lana and Naomi are number one contenders to the tag team titles. But they're not. The number one contenders for the women's tag team titles are Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. But they're in the running, according to Tom. So you're saying they're building momentum? I say they're rallying. And we'll see what happens when we come back from this break. Man, we're good at this. Ricochet and AJ Styles. Yeah, we're probably going to get like a multi-tag team match at Mania to get all the girls on the card, and hopefully we get the NXT girls winning because in no world should Lana have. Well, there's talk that they're going to bring back the Battle Royals this year. I mean, I don't know why. They're never good. They never lead to anything, and anybody that wins does not amount to anything afterwards. Poor Swiss. AJ and Ricochet once again going back to a U.S. title feud from a, from about a year or so ago. Here, AJ once again picks up the victory with a Styles Clash post match. Omos comes into the ring and hits Ricochet with a tree bomb. All right, two part question here. One. Where do you see AJ in the road to WrestleMania right now? Because me and my buddy Jason, who's called into the show before, we were talking about this, and neither of us could really decide a discernible road for AJ going towards Mania. Um, you know, had this match not ended the way it did, I I would like. Well, first of all, Ricochet, he had a little bit of a, a little bit of a pep in his step in this match. His like energy was off the charts, and he was a little. I don't want to say heelish, but a little more aggressive than usual. So it, it kind of led me to believe the po- to the possibility of AJ versus Ricochet in a nice little 10, 15-minute banger. Um, I wouldn't mind that. I really wouldn't. Uh, there's got to be some story added to it because Ricochet is kind of the jobber to the stars dude. But aside from that, I, I really wouldn't mind the match happening. So maybe that's the possibility. I believe the phrase you're looking for is Ricochet has been AJ's bitch. Well, yeah, he's been everybody's bitch, even Casey. So, Jesus. All right, we already discussed the main event. We already discussed the main event a little bit earlier. Lashley over Strowman in about five-ish minutes with a spear. Were you surprised at how late into the show this match started? Because traditionally they give the main event some time, and this one started. I looked at my, uh, I looked at my my clock on the cable box as the match was starting, and it said ten fifty three, and I'm like, what the fuck? 
Yeah, I was very happy that it started that late um, <laughs> because I did not want to see any more than what they gave me. But then they went and surprised the hell out of me by being incredibly good. Um, but there were a couple of people that were kind of upset in the comment section. They said, Braun deserved better. And I was like, since when? No, he didn't. Like, <laughs> I don't feel that way at all. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> what? Those co- so those commenters are wrong. Yeah, either that or they're trolling. But um, yeah, I um, yeah I was perfectly happy with the timing because it was it was a sprint and Lashley looked great. Do you think those sprint style matches suit Strowman the best? Because I think any kind of extended match that he has tends to drag. Uh, I mean, I just, I, I've never really been big on Braun. I love his improvements. I love how great he's done to, you know, just be a bigger, better big guy. But um, I just, uh, yeah, any type of lengthy match, just not, not into it. Fair enough. So this was great. Can I throw out a quick name for AJ Styles at WrestleMania before we uh, wrap things up here? Okay. Let's put the raw let's put the raw heavyweight championship number one contendership on the line and do AJ Styles versus Keith Lee. At Mania or when are we doing this? At Mania. I mean sure, why not? Get I both think guys on the great. card. Gets both guys in the on the card in a match that would have the absolute potential to steal the show. We would have a valid reason for happening with the number one contendership stipulation. And either way, you're adding a guy back into the main event picture that hasn't been in the main event picture either in a while in Styles or at all in Keith Lee. Lee had yeah, a very for. brief flirtation with the, the, the mini feud that he had with uh, McIntyre last year. But other than that, he hasn't really been any kind of a primetime player, no pun intended, in the WWE, except for the NXT brand, which is obviously a different animal. No, I wouldn't know it intended to slap you in the face. <laughs> do you miss I, – I do miss our soundboard, Tony. I'm not going to lie. Uh, we currently don't – we currently don't have a soundboard. Well, you know what? Time to make some new memories. Indeed. You know, we should do a little bit more this year is try to push this you know, podcast for two more. You and I never really put a lot of energy into that because we just kind of come and more often than not, you got anybody that's listening to this, more often than not, it's just me and Harry on the phone. Like, we don't don't even, we're not even, we don't even know how many listeners. I know we got, like, people, like, out of the country that listen to That just blows my mind. Because it's just two dudes that like wrestling, just chatting about it. Um, but yeah, maybe this year we'll, we'll put a little more energy into putting it out there. Well, my guess is, as I understand it, we're actually going to be uploaded onto the chair shot, the chair, the chair shites. It's, it's British garbage, apparently. On the chair shots yeah. uh, podcast <laughs> audio player, we're going to start getting our episodes posted on there. They weren't previously posted because nobody else was using the fucking blog talk site that we had. Ah, well, leave it to us to be the Lone so, Rangers. We we are who they thought we were, Tony. Yeah. Playoffs? Talking about playoffs? Playoffs? Ooh. 
<laughs> Deep run. <laughs> yeah. Favorite match or moment from tonight's episode of Raw, Tony? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it to um, Lashley. A close second would be Angel Garza and uh, Damian Priest, but um, Lashley showed up and showed out, and I think he did it for a reason. I think he's highly motivated because he's about to get a WrestleMania main event slot. Definitely a marquee match at Mania, if not an actual main event, though, with the uh, Bad Bunny tag team match that he's looking at. The hurt business, and business is good. Oh, you meant um, Lashley, not Priest. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Lashley's definitely think- looking at a marquee. Lashley's definitely looking at a marquee match with uh, at WrestleMania. I'm actually going to go with the opposite side of that, the one that you also uh, gave partial credit to. I'm going to go with the uh, Damian priest Angel Garza match. Because not only did uh, Priest put in a really good performance, I thought Garza showed a lot of what he was capable of because Garza's another one of those guys similar to a ricochet that's been kind of treated as an afterthought. And like you said yourself during the course of that match with Priest, he's like, yeah, you may be about to beat me because you're the new hot property on the block, but you're going to earn this victory. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe they got in trouble. Maybe they, they're the ones that ruined the pacing of the show because I really thought that thing was going <laughs> to But no, I, you, you could tell if, if, he, if he hadn't kept messing with Bad Bunny, then I really would have thought it was like a shoot. Like, now nah, we're going to, we're going to fucking, you're going to notice me. No, nobody does that anymore. <laughs> well, you know what the problem with the broken arrow was? Nobody was there to say he did the deal. Uh, yeah. No. If he had done the deal, then that match was over. Nobody kicks out of the Falcon arrow. Never. Ever. That never happened. <laughs> never happened. We do love us some Excalibur on this podcast. Uh, least yeah, favorite great. match or moment tonight? Uh, man, there's a lot. <laughs> um, to that, tonight's episode was just pretty boring. I I didn't quite fall asleep like I've done before, but um, uh, yeah, it's hard to say. I, I'll go with um, Nia Jax just because it's a safe bet. Man, she's just not fun. Braun Strowman showing up after after like six weeks and being automatically inserted into a main event a potential title shot opportunity. <laughs> or Shane saying you can't just come in and demand a title shot like a month after Goldberg did that very thing. Yeah, those are also great moments. <laughs> Honorable mention to Grand Metal League for making a tag in a tornado match. <laughs> Oh, my God. That's going to end up on Botchamania, Tony. Oh, for sure. Shout out to Matthew Gregg, who I think, who I hear actually does visit the chair shot. Oh, well, that's fun. I'm not going to write for them, okay? Jeez. I'm sure he probably visits 411 as well, although he's more famously known for his YouTube series. Right. Once PWG 411 becomes a thing again, which will probably never happen because most of their talent's in AEW these days anyway. 
But once PWG <laughs> becomes a thing again, maybe you can meet up with Matthew at one of the PWG shows. I I kind of like keeping a profile at indie shows, a low profile. I mean, um, nobody really knows that I write for Hole in One. And on the off chance that people find out, they're usually pretty weird. So... <laughs> One other thing in regards to something we've discussed as well, you watched Rumble, obviously. Uh-huh. How smoking hot was Victoria? Good for her, man. She was one of those returns God. that was like long-awaited and overdue. God damn. <laughs> Harry wants to get black-widowed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she ain't Tony, the lady Tony Tony but I'd like to try. Tony Khan would have put forth the money to get that tattoo song, 100%, no doubt. (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. Overall show rating? Uh, Tonight, I gave it a six in the Raw report, but upon second conversation and, um, you know, reading, I I think it was less than that. I'm going to go with five. I was at around a six as well, but I'm traditionally more generous than you are, so five sounds about right for you. Mm-hmm. Who was your MVP for this episode? And frankly, I don't think this one's close. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Lashley. Yeah, I don't think there's a question. This one's Bobby Lashley. Lashley came out of this show looking like a goddamn superstar, and frankly, going into the title match next week, need it to. Yeah. Welcome back, Bobby. We've been been saying for a while, even going back to when we were doing the shows back in December, that Lashley was above the United States title. His performance in the triple threat on Sunday at Elimination Chamber, and then his dominating performance tonight on Raw proved that Lashley is definitely above the United States title at this point. Yeah. Happy to see him there. Welcome to the main event, Mr. Lashley. Enjoy your stay. Yeah. I missed you, Tony. Yeah. Nice little break from the, you know, well, I wouldn't say mundane because I'm doing a hell of a lot, but this is a nice little calming experiment. Experience. Chance to shoot the shit, get some stuff off your chest, and then go about your day, your week, your month, and even your year. The one yep. thing you know, Tony, is I'll be there for you. Wow. When the rain starts to pour? I'll be... Okay, I can't sing that because I'll get a sued. Uh, real quick, before I let you go, are you going to watch the Punky Brewster thing on Peacock? Bro, I would love to Punky her Brewster. Man. <laughs> Talk about a childhood so what... crush. Um, so actually our childhood crush is kind of intermingled there because did you know that she was also a recurring character on the college years of Sabrina the Teenage Witch Witch with my childhood crush Melissa Joan Hart yeah I was a big Sabrina fan I loved that the whole TGIF uh, lineup for years was my shit Um, like multiple it got a little different you know but um I man, Boy Meets World, Step by Step, Family Matters. I was man, that was my shit. <laughs> right there with you. And Hulu has all of them except for Boy Meets World. 
Right, which is Disney, and I have Disney, so that's cool. Do you have Hulu? Uh, yeah, I got them all. It's, you know, it's, it's funny how cable decided to just, like, say, like, all right, so if you don't want to buy this fat-ass cable package, we're just going to separate everything, and you're going to have to buy that. So you're basically paying the same amount. <laughs> See, I disagree. I think you're paying less and getting more content off of everything. Either way, I, I'm having a good time. I don't, I don't really have any actual complaints. I got Netflix, Hulu, all that shit, and, you know, no matter what, you're you're buying it for, like, three things, and you have just a bunch of other stuff you might be able to check out. Oh, yeah. The main reason I have uh, Hulu is to catch up on um, my fucking Chicago shows that I watch every week. The Chicago yeah, Med, Fire, and PD. Yeah, because I'm a loyalist. I'm going to watch Breaking Bad every year, and, you know, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> and then get pissy when the WWE's booking doesn't compare to it. Yeah, like I don't even want you to compare. I just want you to just like watch one season and be like, oh, oh, so there's a story. Okay, okay. They have a beginning, middle, and an end. Wow. All right. Just sniff sniff something in the general vicinity. Just please. (laughs) I'm begging you. Where Where can people find you online, Tony? Uh, 411mania.com in the wrestling section two nights a week, Mondays and Wednesdays I cover WWE where I'm very, very grouchy uh, bitter and angry and I cover AEW on Wednesdays where I'm very happy, excited and just total fangirl It's them Tony Khan paychecks Yeah, yeah, fat old checks from Tony from Papa Khan Uh, real quick, before we get out of here, I have one more thing that I have to say. Um, sending our best to Mama Puglisi, Liz's mother. She's currently in the hospital with some heart issues. She's had some fluid building up around her heart. So sending my best, and I'm sure Tony sends his best as well, to Mama Puglisi. Hey, shout out to Liz, dropping all that weight. She lost, like, an entire child. Like, that's amazing. So I want to give her props she, because I know that, you know, she, she I think I saw a post where she said this that, point. Yeah, like, that's amazing. So I know the last post I saw, she said that some trolls might make fun of her because she didn't lose this, that, or whatever. You fucked the trolls, man. You you killed it. So you sent the Get trolls it, girl. my way. And I'll, and I'll make fun of them for not being able to spell. Love. <laughs> Stay in your mother's basement, you assholes. Get it, Liz. Hopefully, the co-hostess with the mostess's mother will be back to 100% soon, and Miss Puglisi will be able to rejoin us there on the show. He is Tony Acero of 411mania.com, back in, in the wrestling section, 411mania.com backslash wrestling. I am Harry Broadhurst. You can find me on the Chairshot Facebook page as well as on the Chairshot website. The written reviews are supposed to be returning soon. I'm talking to Andrew Balass about those. We're working on it. We're getting that figured out, deciding what kind of format I want to come back with so I don't burn myself out again like I did last time. But those will be over on the Chairshot.com. In addition, we have the kickoff, which is now bi-weekly. Buy a lot of things. Weekly is one of them. Uh, over on the W2M Network, w 2 mnetcom where myself, 
Eric Watkins, Jason Teasley, and Kennedy Eddings discuss the worlds of college and professional football. Now that the NFL season's over, we'll switch to a bi-weekly format in the off-season, but we will go back weekly once the regular season starts up again. It's good to be back, Tony. Same time next week? Yep. Same back time. Sounds good to me. <laughs> How's it, how does the, uh, the, the, the Batman splash go? Something like that. Works for me. He's Tony. I'm Harry. You've been listening to The Reaction, a presentation of the Chairshot Radio Network online at thechairshot.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week. Susan, bitches. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. We missed you guys. We're happy to be back. We'll talk to you again next week as the road to WrestleMania and by proxy Fastlane continue here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a presentation of Lucha Central. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.